Hello there and welcome to another BNP Paribas Wealth Management Voice of Wealth podcast. I'm Edmund Shing, Global CIO, and I am joined by my co-host, Charlotte de Coeur-Poisson. Hello, Charlotte. Hello, Ed. So today we're going to talk about building and construction, aren't we? Yes, indeed. We're going to focus on the construction industry and the various factors contributing to this booming uh, sector. There has been an explosion in the price of commodities, including uranium, nickel, carbon credits, aluminium and base metals. So, Ed, what has been happening over the past year? And secondly, could you explain the correlation between commodity or energy prices and construction costs? Well, what's been happening over the last year is obviously a very strong global economic recovery post lockdowns and the reopenings now that we're having of the economies that is leading to strong demand growth in a number of areas and that also applies to building and housing so we are seeing house prices up sharply we are seeing demand for housing improve sharply as well allied to that as you said we've had this sharp increase in a number of commodity prices notably energy prices and it's energy prices we focus on because a lot of building materials like cement, concrete and bricks require a lot of energy to be produced. And so when energy prices go up, the cost of production of these building materials goes up and that needs to be passed on. So clearly that has an inflationary impact on the cost of building. The second area affecting construction is the recent upswing in wood prices. At how much is this factor impacting building costs? Well, it does have an impact, but specifically it has a bigger impact in the US because houses in the US are built with timber frames. They are in Europe to some extent as well, but they really are very heavily timber framed houses in in the US. So typically you spend tens of thousands of dollars per house on cut lumber of certain sizes. Now we have seen a surge in lumber prices and that's not due to a shortage of trees. There are plenty of trees. So the raw material is there. However, it is the processing of these sawn trees into the lumber of certain sizes and lengths that are required standard lengths for building, there are just aren't enough sawmills uh, available to produce the wood quickly enough. So you've seen the surge in demand. There are no more sawmills than there were before, so they can only produce so quickly. And that has led to a bit of a bottleneck in the availability of the final product of the lumber used by house builders. So that has led to lumber futures going up as much as four times in the US. They have calmed down. But even today, having calmed down, they're 140% higher than they were pre-crisis. So the lumber costs have gone up. And in Europe as well, particularly if you're looking for exotic wood to build an outside terrace, for instance, uh, you will find that those prices are much higher today than it would have been 12 months ago. Thirdly, global wage costs are climbing, particularly in the US, and especially at the low end of the labour force. Are labour shortages having an effect on the industry? Absolutely. There is no doubt that uh, labor shortages are affecting a number of industries, but in particular, the building industry. It's not necessarily the sexiest industry for people to want to get into, but there are a number of really, really quite high wage areas. For instance, bricklayers are very skilled and can command really quite high salaries today. But there is definitely a shortage. Given the boom in demand, we just don't, we just can't build quickly enough. So it's not just a question of securing the land to build on, but then to find the workers to do necessary construction. That's for sure. And I think what adds to that is the fact that now we're getting the introduction of infrastructure projects in the US and Europe, financed by governments or the EU Recovery Fund, which again is going to add even more demand in the construction sector, but more on the infrastructure side, thinking about motorways, railways, and so on. 
A fourth factor gaining traction in the Western world is building regulations. So for construction companies, the pressure is on to design environmentally friendly buildings to make them smarter, sustainable, innovative, and to collect various certifications along the way. For homeowners or landlords, energy efficiency is a major focus. Some governments offer tax credits for home improvement expenses, such as double glazing or the installation of solar panels on your roof to generate your own energy. But the other side of the coin is that regulations are tightening all the time for old and new houses. Now, do you see these building regulations as good or bad for the industry? The bad side is clearly to add to cost, because if you're, for instance, improving insulation, you have to pay for that insulation, it is an added cost. On the other hand, I think overall it's a positive because firstly you are providing a much better final product. The new house you build is going to be a much better product for the final consumer, the person buying, because of that much higher energy efficiency. So you recoup that in higher prices. So overall, yes, there is a higher cost, but then you also have you sell at a higher price. And what you'll notice is that new buildings, new houses sell at a premium to secondhand houses for a good reason, which is that people know that all of this work is done. You don't have to go and improve the insulation of a house because it's already at a very high standard. So generally, I would say it's good for the industry because it does lead to slightly higher profit margins. In the wake of the COVID-19 lockdowns, we've seen an unleashing of home improvements. How much of a driver is this for the construction industry? And secondly, is this a long-term theme, in your opinion? Well, there's no doubt in the short term that post-lockdowns, because we've spent so much more time at home, we now want to improve our home environment. And that's led to a boom in DIY, both indoors, but also outdoors. If you think about building terraces, improving gardens and so on, we are looking to improve our home environment in many different ways as a result of of the pandemic. Added to that, of course, is the very sharp rise in house prices. House prices have risen in residential markets in Europe and the US at double digit rates over the last year. And so we feel a bit wealthier, our houses feel a bit more valuable, and therefore we are more prone to spend more on our houses as psychologically as a result of that higher implied value. So that is, for now, certainly the case. And you can see DIY retailers really are doing very well as are building merchants. Will this be a long-term phenomenon? Well, that depends on the path of house prices to some extent. Uh, Clearly, we are now in the reopening phase. We're getting back to the office so that we will continue working at home, but maybe not as much. So that impetus maybe will slow. Then it's all about house prices. If house prices continue to go up, then I do think this becomes a more durable phenomenon. If house prices stagnate, then this growth may slow. And demographics is another driver, isn't it, Ed? Demographics is an interesting driver, but it's a complicated one. Because on the one hand, you would argue we have aging populations, particularly here in Europe. And so populations should not grow. But if anything, start to shrink over time, which should diminish housing demand, right? But on the other hand, we have a number of sort of micro demographic drivers, which actually work in the opposite direction, notably the number of households. We are staying single longer. We are getting married later. We're having fewer children. So and, and, and unfortunately, getting divorced more often. The result of that is we're having more and more households for a certain number of populations. Uh, and the fact that we have more households means more housing demand, more housing, or maybe not for big houses, but for smaller units, such as small houses or smaller flats. Because again, the, the average number of people in a household today is far lower than it would have been 10, 20 or 30 years ago. So that is driving demand. 
that is driving demand for smaller properties in general. Finally, how can people invest in this space? The easiest ways to invest in this space are obviously via equities. You can invest in commodities, but that's more tricky. So I would say equities, stocks are the easiest way to go. There are, of course, a number of funds and ETFs, for instance, the, the Europe Building Construction uh, Sector ETF is an obvious one, which will include all of these building materials companies within them. And I think that probably is the easiest way to go. There is also a global timber and forestry ETF, which is very interesting, which buys companies involved in the production of lumber and timber. So that, again, if you want to focus on that specific angle is also a good one and finally in retailing we do have the diy retailers in the retailing sector so the retail sector is one that is also benefiting from this trend so those are the three areas i would look to invest in today thank you for listening to this podcast to be sure to receive our audio content every week please search for bnp paribas wealth on the podcast platform of your choice such as apple podcast podcast addict spotify or other podcast providers (laughs) 